0: Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode.
1: Probably the best thing I can can really give anybody advice on when it comes to dealing with employees and being able to scale and grow a business is to really think about your employees as people and to put yourself in their shoes and to ask yourself the serious questions. Would you work for you? You have now entered the
0: entrepreneur's circle. Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle Podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like subscribe and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. So here we are. We have Michael Hinderleiter, uh, the Dean of Clean, my friend, right? Isn't that what, <laughs> is that what we call you? Dean, Dean of Power of Wash. The Dean of I'm a, Power Wash. Yeah, I like yeah. the Dean of Clean. And uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I think Jason introduced you as the Dean of Clean, so that's why I, I think it. he did too, yeah. But uh, the Dean of Power Wash works too, but I like the sound of Dean of Clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That, but uh, how are you, my friend? It's been I'm great.
1: doing good. I'm doing good. Doing real good. The yeah. uh, And just a little background on the Dean of, of, of Power Wash is that that came about because um, – we have a training school, Powerwash University. Okay. And so I'm right. the dean of the university, and I think even in that presentation, I was saying interestingly enough, that's my middle name.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, as I mentioned before, I'm going to list all of your wonderful accolades um, in the sure. pre-roll here. So you know, I'm going to mention, you know, so you you're the CEO and the founder of Steamaway and Powerwash and uh, Facilitech Southwest. Um, you know, you just just do it all right. Especially in this, in this industry. Yeah. Um, but th- let's, let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. I love, I love telling stories wh- and what I like to call, because I'm a big geek as, as, as you probably, um, could gather that, um, I was a big comic book reader and, you know, like, <sighs> you know, comic book issue number one was always the, usually the origin story of the superhero. So what would, you know, issue number one, uh, entail what what would it encompass if 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 we had the michael hinden lighter uh issue number one superhero right. the issue number girl. one yeah yeah
1: well let's see i was born in wichita kansas so
0: <laughs> yeah yes yeah. so let's do it you start there it with the little bubbles and everything well, wichita, yeah
2: hinden. yeah I- <laughs>
1: I say that because I actually went into a big presentation once yeah. and I was I put a bio in there and I said, Bored in Wichita, Kansas. And the guy goes, I don't want your life story. I just want to know how you're gonna well, clean our well, trucks. We, so like, we want oh it. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so that always kinda stuck with me. So it's kinda like a little bit of an inside joke that probably needed some prepping before I said it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so, we 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 love it. We love hearing that. But yeah,
1: um yeah. I think what was in that had a lot a big influence on me is that um, on both sides of my family, uh, my grandparents anyway, uh, for my age group, I think it wasn't too uncommon, but actually was becoming less and less common. And, and it's far less common today than it is uh, than it was when I was born back in 66. Um, you know, my grandparents were farmers mm-hmm. and my on my dad's side and then on my mom's side, they were factory workers. Mm -hmm. So there was a – and to me, the farmer kind of mindset is more entrepreneurial, whereas the factory mindset is more blue-collar. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had both those dichotomies as I grew up and had a huge influence on me. And my dad was an entrepreneur, so he always motivated and kind of encouraged me to do things. And I think my first experience as an entrepreneur was I was in second grade and me and a buddy were talking about how to make some money for, um, you know, buying just things that we could like, maybe some gum or something at the store, yeah. you know, cause our parents weren't always giving us, uh, uh allowances. So, um, he happened to mention mentioned something about mistletoe, and I said, Well, why don't we go pick some mistletoe and go around the our neighborhood and sell mistletoe? So that was in second grade, that was my first experience as an entrepreneur, and then uh, and then it kind of got into a little lawn care business, which I think most young boys do at some yeah. point. They think or it's kind of newspaper- cool to do that, or
0: slinging newspapers, right? Either yeah,
1: one, yeah. <laughs> so. So I did that for a little while and then my dad was in the Air Force and when he left the Air Force, he was working for um, Boeing and I think he worked for Cessna for a short stint too okay. and he was an engineer and when he got out of doing that, he worked in Wichita, Kansas for six months for a guy that was doing power washing for free on the weekend so he could learn the business. Mm. The guy said, I'll teach you, but you can't open up shop here. <laughs> So we moved to Dallas Fort Worth area because uh, he reckoned he wanted to do. I think he wanted to do fleet washing primarily because that's what the guy was doing there. Mm-hmm. So we moved here because it was an intersection. We saw uh, him and my mom did a lot of research and they saw Dallas Fort Worth as a as a cross section in the United States where mm-hmm. two freeways came uh, together. Yeah. And and recognize that this would be a huge growth potential here. So, Um, and it has. I mean, the place has grown like crazy, always has been, ever since I was a little kid. Wow. Um, So that's how I ended up here and got into the business. My dad was a power washing contractor. And so I pretty much grew up in the business with a, (laughs) and ironically, with a mindset that I didn't want to be an entrepreneur because I saw the headaches that my dad went through. But, (laughs) But to be honest, once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. And and as you start, and I took a couple of small jobs, even when I was in high school working for, um, some businesses. And I just like, man, uh, that stuck with me actually working summers and weekends for my dad taught me that I really wanted to go to college and get an education Mm -hmm. because I, I wasn't, uh, even though fleet washing and all the other activities that we do with power washing is very manual, um, it just, it encouraged me to realize that I needed an education if I wanted to, if I wanted to do more with my life, no matter what that education was, it's kind of a testing ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think sometimes people view college education as um, if what they're going to do with the rest of their life, but yeah. I have an accounting degree. Fortunately, I went after a business degree through my dad's encouragement. Um, and with that, I can use that in business. Though I hardly use it at all today. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty minimal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, the, but it's the whole experience of college and stuff that's very um, educational and uh, yeah, not to get off in too much of a rabbit hole, but I'd sure like to see our government encourage people that, you know, not just give out loans for um, college degree plans are going to be hard to pay back. Yeah. But really get them to take ones that are more marketable. Yeah, Again, yeah. That would be a whole rabbit hole. Right <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I agree with that. I agree with that statement. Yeah. You know, it took me, I don't know, a better I I didn't finish paying off my college loans until I was in my good right into my 30s. I think by the time I got married I yeah. was like oh, my final payment, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it Yay. took a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, buying right. something equivalent of a car, you know, when you're a teenager, um, you know, or even more nowadays, it's yeah, it's that that that's a big big burden. Yeah. So so with with that,
1: and then, and then I kind of was in high school, started bumping heads with my dad a little bit, obviously as young boy, will, and thinks that he, he's smarter than, than pops. And, uh, even though my dad knew I wasn't, you know, he still encouraged (laughs) me. And, and I, I happened to say that I wanted to start my own business. He said, "Here, here's a power washer. And if you want to do it, and you can build up the business, uh, to a certain point within, I think he gave me anywhere from 30 to 90 days, um, you can have the power washer. Wow. And, and guess what? They, it was probably a good move on his part because I paid my way through college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's brilliant. Yeah. So what did you start washing uh, with, with that equipment? Right fleets.
1: Away? I started doing fleet washing uh, because it was primarily weekend work.
0: Mm-hmm. When you and say I fleets, go... are you talking about like trucks and uh, no, fleets?
1: Good, good point. Good point. Um, primarily tractor trailer fleets, big rigs. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, occasionally it would be like cars and pickups, but that was very rare. A majority of what I did was equipment that uh, heavy, heavy loads and big loads, um, mm-hmm. van trailers, tractor tractors, uh, road tractors as we like to call them, mm-hmm. um, straight trucks or bobtails, all the okay. all the equipment you see for commercial delivery and pickup and stuff like
0: that. Okay, so now were you able to pick up? Uh, clients from your, your father's business, or were you finding your own leads? And- no, no. Actually,
1: I had to go out and do cold calling, which was a a very challenging and growth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> process for uh, an 18-year-old yeah. in high school. Oh, that's nerve-wracking. Yes, it was. It was very nerve-wracking. Um, and even, even in the college, it was still nerve-wracking. But I, I finally got comfort- somewhat comfortable with it. I mean, I think uh, sales is a is a challenge for most anybody, mm-hmm. uh, but just recognizing how to go in and talk to somebody and, and getting comfortable with it. I do recall that one of, one of my big accounts that I, that I cold call on and got, the owner had a son that was a year younger than me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I got that job because of my age. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he just saw a young man out there trying sure. to start his business and trying yeah. to do something entrepreneurial, so he gave it to me, and and it was it was a great job. I mean, a, a great account, I should say. Yeah. But with that said, my dad was selling power wash equipment and supplies. Even though he had been on the contracting side for ten years prior to that, mm-hmm. I didn't pick up any accounts that he that he had before. Okay. Yeah.
0: So uh, how involved was your father? Um, as far as, you know, helping you out with price points and like what to say at the beat, like how, you know, any sales yeah. techniques. And also, you know, if if you're this 18, 19 year old guy that's talking to business owners, that's super intimidating. So like, how did you know how to price <laughs> your service versus what was already out there? You know, like- Sure, sure. Analysis, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, fortunately he gave me some guidelines on pricing, which mm-hmm. was very helpful. Um, and then he told me, like for fleet washing, you're just, to get that type of business, you're just not going to go out and pick it up. During, it, one of the hardest things is to go out during the week and try to drive around and find where the fleets are parked because they're out making deliveries or they're picking up some yeah. loads. Yeah. So they're not parked during the week. Right. So I had to go out on the weekends and scout out where the facilities were that had equipment and then go back during the week and call on them because decision makers aren't going to be there during the week. Right. I mean, not on the weekends, they're going to be there during the week. Yeah. So I would just go out, make my list and I go back during the week and call on them. Mm. And uh, when you walk in on those type of jobs, especially during the week, there's usually a receptionist there, and they just want you to leave a card. Yeah. So of course, I explained to my dad, I'm having a really hard time getting to even see the people that I need to talk to to get the account. Yeah. And he said, "Well, you need to go in the back door which I didn't think was right for a long time. And it probably took me about six or eight months to start doing that. Yeah. So then I would just go in the back door, go through the shop and start asking questions. And I had a lot better success <laughs> at getting to the people I needed to talk to. <laughs> so you would just
0: walk in the back door, like you own the place and then.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: And then, okay. So yeah, you would, you bypass the gatekeeper Yes, are talking to employees and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's up there," or they just point to the offices and you would go <laughs> right. knock on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> can yeah. you remember some of the first times you did that? Like actually, oh
1: on yes, golly, oh absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I can remember some of the responses. Like, "What are you doing back here?" <laughs> well, I talked to so and so out in the shop, and he said you were having this problem. <laughs> that's brilliant. And I would quiz him I would quiz him So when I went in there to talk to the decision maker, I would be. Like I would have a little bit of ammo yeah. to try to get their business. Yeah, you know, try to to try to lull them into okay. We'll give you a shot.
0: Yeah. Well, so, yeah. what was some of the ammo? What would you use? Some tactics? Well,
1: I, I would yeah. ask if they if, how they get their trucks washed. Now, that was my first question. If they did it in the house or if they had a service. Mm-hmm. If they did it in house, then I would want to know how's that going for you? Is so and so doing it? How's the equipment holding up? Because I always knew that the guy that would be doing the cleaning generally was the lowest on the totem pole mm. so he probably wasn't really wanting to do the work in the first place yeah and so he, he probably didn't do a, that great a job or he may be intentionally sabotaging the equipment and breaking it down frequently so he didn't have to do that work
0: wow. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so true yeah and- so what would you have to do in order to so say you got one of these uh would they be contracts that, or they would try to test you out for a little while and
1: yeah sometimes you you get to go out and do a demo mm-hmm. and if they like the demo then they would they would have you uh start doing the work and you know for a long time it didn't have any contracts in place it was all on a handshake and verbal agreements mm-hmm. which worked pretty good but then as more and more people got into the marketplace. We generally try to get some type of uh, written agreement in place and contract. And it's just helpful. Yeah. You no, know, cause it gives you a little bit of a heads up if someone's going to stop, you know, I think what I found was a good reputable company will, they'll, they'll try to work with you or try, or try to find out, Hey, I want you to do this or this isn't going quite well. Can you make a change here? And, and I'll talk to you. Uh, and and. And generally, they'll give you like 30 days, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if something major has got to change and they got to do it. For me, I, I never want to lose an account because of our quality of service. I always want to be top notch on quality. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we're human. I mean, we're going to make mistakes at times and, and, you know, we're going to lose some accounts here and there, but I want to know why we lost it. And if it's on price, I can chalk that up to price and I'm okay with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if it's on quality or service or, um, an issue with employees or anything like that, I want to know so I can fix it and I, and be better so that we don't have that issue happen somewhere else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you, so you've, you've, you're talking about business as as it is now, right. And, 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 but as a, as a young entrepreneur, um, you know, how was what did you do in order to sort of scale the business and, you know, what sort of exercises and what sort of uh, strategies you, you were getting into at such a young age to get you to become, you know, the Michael Hinderleiter of now, you know, yeah. you know what I'm getting? It's like, oh, I kind of want to, I kind of want to deconstruct how it all, ha, 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 you know, how how did you become this? Sure. What can people who are listening, who are in the early stages, you know, uh, pick up from how to build up? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, as I look back, I mean, and I, I still do this today. What, what happened a lot is I would just, I would just see where we, we needed more energy or resources put into to a particular area of the business. And I would focus on that area Mm -hmm. and then I would start to develop it. And at some point, I would bring a person in and train them to do that particular task or um, process. And then I would, as I got comfortable, then I would hand it off to them and I would be done with it Mm. and go other directions. Yeah. That was generally the process. And fortunately for me, I, I I don't know if it's fortunate or not. Let me back up, (laughs) but I just kind of grew slow, slowly. I didn't like, grow real fast and have all these different things coming at me super quick. Yeah. Um, And then there were times where I just, I just like kind of, kind of coasted for a while and then I would just get real aggressive and grow again. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, whenever I was growing is because I needed a, um, a better lifestyle or I wanted a new truck. I decided to buy a house. Um, I got married. Mm. I, I had a child, you know. Those kind of things yeah. um, motivated me. And as as those requirements and lifestyle changes came into my life, then I started building and growing the, the company. I yeah. never really, which and, and I look at some entrepreneurs, and they just like they take it and they just go crazy with it. <laughs> Where, yeah, I've I've kind of gone through it more of a necessity process. Mm-hmm. But now, and it's still it's still obviously having a company and being able to do income is always a necessity. It's part of what we want to do, but now it's more of a thing for me is to be able to continue to grow the company and have it build more income for my, maybe my, my children at some point, or one of, one of my children uh, will have an interest in it or I'll just, you know, I'll be done with it and I'll, at some point I'll sell it off or, you know, and retire and, just go live
0: on the beach and <laughs> enjoy life. Kick the feet up, drink a Mai Tai yeah. or something. Um,
1: I which I don't think I could ever do.
0: I, you yeah, know, I, I, just, can't.
1: I can't slow down enough. I yeah, mean, yeah. if, you know, and there are times like we'll take a vacation or something. And, and by the end of the first week, I'm like, oh, it felt so good to relax. Yeah. And I've had one vacation that I did several years ago. I was, yeah it was right after i it was a couple of years after i graduated and and it was for 2 weeks i went on a trip with my grandparents mm-hmm. <laughs> because they they needed someone to drive them so i volunteered and, and i tell you what the, like i said the first week was great It's that second week i just was about to go crazy
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the opposite for me when the, if we take a two week vacation and I, I always felt like if I really, really wanted to decompress uh that I needed a two week because the first week yeah. was me still adjusting to the fact that I'm not at work, right? This is when oh, I was a corporate, oh, corporate yeah, career. Sure. And so that first week I'm still stressing about everything that is not getting done and all the things that I was worrying about. So that first week, uh it was, was dedicated for some reason, my head would just, concentrate on that stuff and then the second week is when i really just decoupled from everything and then i really started to right. enjoy myself i don't know if that's just yeah i guess it's just me and how i'm wired but i have not taken a vacation since uh joining the entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> uh you know movement and you know just uh, jumping in but um in defense of what you were saying with the folks that are like in hyper because that is me Um, I, I was, you've been an entrepreneur your entire life, right? So you were able to, uh, sort of scale at a reasonable rate because you were younger and you're wise, um, you know, and milestones became bigger as life, um, you know, started to evolve for you, um, for me and for those of who have jumped into the game much later in life, um, you know, I was in my forties by the time I left corporate America, um, so it was kind of like, oh, the pressure's on. I gotta you know, yeah. I gotta do so much, I gotta catch up. Right. And, you know, right. so I think that's a big reason why a lot of the people, especially that we meet in, in our networking events, uh feel really pressured. You know what though is really inspiring, Michael, is um, running into those entrepreneurs that are new to the whole industry and um they're much, much older, right? They're like in retirement oh, age and yeah. they're like still crushing oh, it's it. It's still yeah. super inspired. I'm like, man, that's great. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's the way I want to be too. Yeah. The,
1: the one thing about becoming an entrepreneur today, that's so different from when I started is there's just a tremendous number of good resources out there. Yeah. I know. And yeah, I don't, I say this in an encouraging way, but if you take advantage of those resources, there shouldn't be any reason why you can't be successful. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things out there. So much more information. Um, You know, I even look at, at, at the power washing industry and some of the guys that are coming up and used to, it was easy for me to like recognize or talk to somebody. And I was like, man, I hate to say this, but I just know they don't, they're not going to be able to make it because they don't have somebody around to constantly show them and encourage them what it's going to take to be, um, to be successful. And that as they're, as they're climbing that hill, that seems like almost insurmountable Mm -hmm. somebody with experience can tell them, Hey, you're going to hit this plateau, or you're going to, you're about to hit that plateau. Mm -hmm. And it would just bring the, it would make them so much more confident. So it's, so it's being able to have like a coach or, um, a mentor, those kind of things. And then having all the, the reading source resources and listening resources that are out there now that are, to me, it's phenomenal that they exist because it would, it would have made my journey a lot easier too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there were probably some books um, at the time, but not like it is now where, you know, you, you have it at your fingertips, right? It's in your pocket. um, And there's people just sharing so much information and their experience. And it's almost too much, right? It's, it's, it's a fire hose of information. It's overwhelming at times, um you know like what do i focus on but um they're all the same you know dozen or so uh go-to bible type of textbooks or books that we yeah. all read and everybody's like you got to read yeah. think and grow rich you got to read Rich Dad, right? <laughs>
2: right, yeah starting points and, yeah uh,
0: yeah yeah the e-myth you know that was huge for me um but yeah yeah uh i i feel like uh, you were definitely at a disadvantage versus um entrepreneurs starting now um where they're almost spoiled to the point where um there's really no there's you don't need to wait right we we live in a i need it and want it now society that um just breeds uh you know um um, you know impatience and 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 oh it does just, just i want it and i want to be gratified right now but anyway um
1: well, look at Amazon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of it. Yeah, especially with Amazon. How dare they do that to us? Um, but yeah, talk about scaling. Um, Amazon's, that's, hap- that's not an overnight thing, right?
2: No, so, yeah.
0: Where it's like, there's this huge success that we all witness and see now. But if you think back to the days when you started and when, when Bezos started, um, you know, he, they were a book company, right? Although, yeah. Although your yeah. company is still essentially doing um, similar, uh, you know, things that you were doing from the beginning, but you scale, can you talk about where you were back then? You know, how it was just you and maybe your first hire yep. versus like leapfrogging to now where you have over a hundred employees, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. Just, yeah. So let's, let's, let let's talk about that. Cause that's, that's amazing. You know, to hear about that type of growth.
1: Yeah. Um, do you kind of like the journey to get to hundred employees or
0: yeah, yeah or just maybe how if you can reflect on like how it was back then and then how how it feels now if you think about man the Michael back then you know, <laughs> versus now and what I had to become in order to yeah. manage that many yeah. people yeah. did you ever think when you were starting and your dad handed you your first power washer to now right? Scaling a yeah. business, you know, pr- procedures and like every, you and I had talked about, you know, core values and personality, <laughs> right. tests, yes. and all that stuff. Yes. But it's like, you didn't start that way, right? That's oh, I've golly. Somewhat recently, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Actually, you know, it's part of, you know, it's funny, you know, because I think anybody, anytime anybody starts a business, they have all these ideas of grandeur. Yeah. You know, and how big they can make it be. And I'm going to be world famous, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of enjoyable. And to have those, you know, that imagination and it's fun.
0: Yeah. Sky's the limit.
1: Yep. But I think, you know, even back then, the reality was, you know, I just wanted to have a decent sized company. I probably only, if, if I did good, I would probably be 10 to 15, maybe 20 employees. Mm. I know at one time my dad had 26 employees when he was a contract cleaner. So there's kind of a little bit of a goal for me to, to be bigger than my dad got (laughs) at some point. Um, and so, so there was always, there was a little bit of that drive. And as I went through college, you know, I kind of thought, well, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I got out and I was like, yeah, I'm still not sure. So I played around for a couple of years and then I got real serious with it. But learning, I don't, I think probably the best thing I can, uh, can really give anybody advice on when it comes to dealing with employees and being able to scale and grow a business is to really think about your employees as people and to put yourself in their shoes. And to ask yourself the serious questions would you work for you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know that I really asked myself that question in that particular manner when I was younger because I, I thought of it more <clears throat> people aren't going to work for me unless they like me and respect me and they trust me. Mm-hmm. So I had to be so I had, integrity is probably one of the biggest things that gets people attracted to working for you or wanting to work for you. Uh, I think it's the number one leadership quality. Uh, for, for anybody out there, no matter what you do, integrity is, is probably drop dead number one. And, but, but I really, I really believed firmly that if, if an employee doesn't like you and they can't relate to you, they won't, they won't, they won't stay around. They weren't going to stay long-term because they're going to be hard times with the company. You're probably not always going to be able to give raises like you should. You're probably not. Uh, and, and let's look at, truck washing, kitchen exhaust clean, those are really nasty. They're tough jobs or after hours. They have to miss time that they, they would probably prefer to be with their family. So they, they you really want to have something there that, um, you know, get, makes them feel like they're wanted. Mm-hmm. So communicating with employees regularly, um, regularly and sharing, you know, just trying to share and, and relate to them when they're as an employee and as a person is going to build. It's kind of like, I I kind of refer to it as, as an emotional piggy bank. And I I heard it on a clip somewhere because my dad was always listening to audio tapes when I was growing up. And somebody told me the other day that that's actually on one of these like seven successful habits of, of a good leader or something. But anyway, Mm. what I'm saying is emotional piggy bank is just, you're building every day and in all relationships with your life, you're building with this emotional piggy bank. And then there are going to be times when you do something wrong or you, you're, you, um, it's going to hurt that savings account that you have with that uh, spouse or child or employee. Mm. And you want there to be enough that's in that piggy bank that you don't drain it at one time yeah. because of one action that you've done all these other things that build up over time. And I remember when I was, (laughs) when I was a young boy, we had, we had some, we had some stuff happen and, and I lied to my dad. And I'll never forget what he told me. He says, it takes a thousand truths to make up for one lie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and it stuck with me because whatever it was, I got in a lot of trouble for but (laughs) I just remembered that comment. and you know it it, it goes back to integrity so you know that's kind of if there's one thing I can get the listeners to come come away with I I think that's probably the most important and then that will feed I mean if you think about would you work for you and it doesn't have to be just about the monetary side of it but are you creating an environment that people want to be in Um, do they believe in your cause and the purpose of the company that kind of stuff would you believe in what? You're doing, or are you just there to try to provide a product or service so you can build your bank account? Because that that doesn't build a business over time. It can keep a small business. You can do good. You know, I think you'd be very successful with a small business. And I still consider myself a small business, so I probably should qualify that because in my, in my world <clears throat> of contract cleaners, I'm actually a pretty good sized company. But in the world of big business and small business or medium business. I'm still a small business, right? So I'm thinking, you know, 10 employees or less, you know, that's, that's easy to manage. It's pretty hands-on, but as you get bigger and start moving on beyond that, then it, it changes the whole scope of things. And I found, well, through, through a pretty rough experience uh, about four years ago that I needed a good full-time HR person because I was around 80 employees. And really, I should have had a full-time HR person around 50. Mm. And turnover was crazy. Um, there was a lot of things I was doing wrong at that time. And I went, I went through a pretty, what I would say, hard growing phase for me to just reflect on myself and, and start accepting that. I didn't know everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause I thought, Hey, I'm eight employees. I've got all this business, but we had turnover like crazy and it was scary. It was scary. So I just, I really had to start reevaluating a lot of things that I thought I was doing good that I needed to do better as a leader and to build a team and to build a culture that I wanted to have here at the company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, the moment that you realized um, you needed to take it to the next level but you should have done it 30 employees ago yes um, yes but hold that thought because um, we have to pause for a second to uh, include our sponsors and uh, a message from, sure. from from friends of the show so
2: on-air brands has changed the game there'll never be a day from here forward when you and i and our companies don't need to be on the air every brand needs to be on the air but so few know that so, it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com.
0: Okay, so we're back. And um, yeah. Michael, you were talking about the the recognition of scaling, but not just scaling, um, you know, from from one to ten, but when you got to the point where you're sort of tapping your resources out, I guess, is, for lack of a better phrase, or you were getting to the yeah. point where it felt like you were still doing a lot of um, the tasks. Right. Especially with HR. So were you actually doing the job of HR? Did you have somebody that was doing it that wasn't qualified for doing HR? Or was it both or
1: I through my own ignorance, I did not fully understand what all HR could do. Hmm. And in my mind, when you whenever I heard HR referred to as, as I was growing up and on Movies and TV shows, and you know, talking to friends that were at other companies. Uh, HR was a place that went to because people had to have disciplinary type stuff happen, or yeah. you know. So that was a lot of HR within my my company. Mm-hmm. But so I always looked at you know creating the culture and the the motivational stuff and being involved in all those disciplinary type actions. It would generally involve me in making sure that we did it right and trying to stay up with the laws and those type of things. But once I researched it more, I found out that um, through some business groups I was a part of, that HR is a whole another facet of developing the culture. And um, you know, it's there's there's safety, there's the team building. There's the um training side of it. There's just so much that's involved with h r it was and there's hiring and recruiting that I was like I was like are you- i to me, I never fully understood that and when I, I began to understand that it 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 was a bit of an epiphany at the same time too, and then exciting to realize that, hey, I can hire people like this, and if I can hire good people, the impact it can have on the company and i can go back to focusing on the things that i like to do to grow my company yeah. instead of being this uh, hr person or this people person that mm-hmm. has to deal with all the things that go on with with the company at a people level because there are people that actually not that i i hate it but it it just it was becoming less than enjoyable for me because there were other there are other things on my company that i need to be working on and not all these hr issues
0: yeah, I, you know, I'm envisioning the stress that you had to go through <laughs> during those times because, you know, yeah. when I was in corporate America and I had to hire, you know, that was stressful because we would back up three, four interviews in one day, um, you know, and which doesn't seem like a lot. But, you know, when you're having these deep conversations back to back to back and getting to know people, um, it, it could be taxing. But the firing of people, I disp- I would I'm telling you, if I had to keep that doing that, tough. Michael ulcers i swear i would have ulcers i would have all sorts of back issues just because the stress related to even if i didn't really like the person right it still made me feel terrible (laughs) that i had to let someone go because i'm thinking about their life and i know about i know their stories you know like you you know i'm very a people person so i I know about their grandmothers, and I know about you know their are their, they're <laughs> it harder it just even though you may be a jerk i can't it's hard to to be that person that the uh, but anyway so you you- what is the magic number what is the industry standard that we should start to consider hiring h r because you said you were at eighty at that point, but I'm sure it's 40, yeah right.
1: I I was told that I should uh, I I should probably had a full time HR person around fifty employees.
0: Okay, because that seems like a lot to me. Like
1: just... it, it does seem like a lot, but I think what can happen prior to that, you know, because there's PEO services out there that have HR on staff that can help support you. Okay, but I also found that what the PEO services that I had for HR support were were nothing like having on a full time person. Okay. The other thing that I learned about, and we still do this because I, I started this very recently as well, is I have an HR consultant consultant that we, re- we reference out to. So it's not part of a PEO program or anything like that. And I found that having that consultant was probably it wasn't probably it was it's it was hugely beneficial and well worth every penny we paid to have that consultant and he they could also be referred to as fractional uh hr
0: okay as well so
1: that's another term that's that's seems to be very common it's it's a cool way of saying a (laughs) hr consultant
0: so the hr consultant was brought on prior to having a full-time hr dedicated employee or actually
1: they came on a pretty close to the same time i think i had to, i know i had the full hr person first mm-hmm. and i i i i learned about the the fractional concept and so i started looking for that and i interviewed a couple of people out in the field or in the industry and ended up hiring one that's that's been phenomenal
0: mm-hmm. you know you and, that? Oh, i'm sorry go ahead finish yeah
1: that. um they both of them came with a decent background, but after interviewing them, there was one that was just really, that kind of, I felt like their personality fitted what needed to be for HR. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was super personable and nice and friendly, yeah. which I thought, no, that's a good supportive type personality. And the other, the other person I interviewed was pretty much like, this is how it has to be, and this is the system we have to follow. And was more abrupt and to the point, mm-hmm. which can be kind of harsh, but at the same time, I think for an employee, that's what they need to hear. Yeah, They don't need to hear everything sugar-coated.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends so, on the, the employee personality too, right? It does. Someone will it lean does. towards you know, the <laughs> sugar-coated guy and then, and then yeah. let the other guy do all the firing. <laughs> that guy do right. the hiring and that one do right. the firing.
1: Good cop, um, bad cop, right? <laughs>
0: because <laughs> it's, it's hard stuff being both, man.
1: It is, it is. And which kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about looking at people as as your employees as people and talking yeah. to them as people.
0: Yeah,
1: I do. So if you're able to put yourself in their shoes, you can actually relate to them better yeah. and see it from their point of view. And then the conversation changes on how you have that conversation with them. Um, even though it's difficult, I, I, I know the first, kind of like you said, you hate to firing people and, yeah. and i think if if you follow a good process and a good HR program, mm-hmm. someone should never be surprised by being fired yeah if sure. if you end up firing somebody and they, mm-hmm. and, and they're blindsided by it, mm-hmm. you weren't doing your job <clears throat> yeah. and informing them about the things they've been doing wrong right so that when you when you know. When they, when you know you have to do it, they should know it's coming and it's no longer a surprise. And it's yeah. not, and it, not only it's, it's, it's still difficult because mm-hmm. you don't want to do that to somebody, Yeah. but it's, it shouldn't be a shock to them. It's almost like I thought this, I was I figured that's why I was getting called in here. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's because, the kind
0: of thing. Because you're talking about so, sort of like the the three strikes or or the three opportunities to correct whatever's yes, you know, yes. Uh, not working. Um, and then a lot of them do your favor by just leaving, right? <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, yeah they yeah. do. They're, They're like, like,
1: like oh, I know I can't, I can't meet the expectation, I, I'm not going to put in the effort.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. So you don't want them around anyway. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that's so true. And you know, I, I would imagine. Yeah, fifty seems like so. I can't even imagine fifty. You know, we, we have <laughs> a dozen. You know, um, and yes. geez, fifty. I, I would imagine <laughs> like I need so, 10, after ten. I need somebody yeah. handling this.
1: And so when when I was around fifty employees, and even up towards eighty, I would my thing would say I have fifty children. Mm, you know, I feel yeah. like I'm I'm managing children, but I don't have that. I don't have that thought process anymore. I don't think about it like that anymore. I think about it's there's people are always in different stages in life. Yeah. And, you know, we should, or I I say, at least for us, the idea is to bring them on and, and, you know, help them and encourage them to become better people. Sometimes they stay because they like the environment. And sometimes they're like, you know, I want to, I want to take my life to another level that really doesn't have the opportunity here. And, we're happy for them to do that. And, and sometimes they end up coming back and because they, and we've, we've grown and now that an opportunity exists Yeah. or they, they just didn't find what they wanted somewhere else. And they want to come back to the environment that we have here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How many do you encounter, you know, that started out, um, you know, doing the manual stuff and then you started to see, the opportunities there for someone who can lead. Um, do, do you encounter that a lot where you, 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 you groom them, even though they may not see it in themselves, um, that, you know, and bring them into the back office and, 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 right. help, you know, on that end.
1: Yes. Yes. That's happened. It's happened a few times. I had a mechanic that started with me several years ago and he was just naturally managing the staff that was around him. Mm -hmm. And I was, I I was trying to step back from managing a particular division and, and I don't know that if if I even saw it that day or not, but at one point I I realized either from a a friend of mine that made a comment about it or, or I just said, you know what? He's doing it already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he's managing already. He just really needs a title to be able to run with it. Yeah. We sat down. We had a couple of talks, and I said, "You know, I I believe you're capable of doing this. I'm going to give you a raise and a title, and we'll start meeting more about some of the things that I see you need to work on." And uh, interestingly enough, he ended up leaving for a few years to go back to work for a uh, a government job because if he worked there for three years, his pension was going to grow uh, for whatever it was, um, and and. He was like, I, I really need to do this, Mike. He goes, I hate to leave you, but I need to do it. And I said, You know what? Based on what you're telling me they're gonna give you and how much it's gonna help your retirement, you need to do it because
0: <laughs> I won't be able to match
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: I'm a small business guy. And you know that's this our, our numbers yeah. aren't aren't always the best that we need to do, but yeah, go ahead and do it. Yeah. And he, he came back. Hmm. He went and did it for three years and he came back for he came back and he's one of he's a great employee. He works great yeah. for us. That's awesome. real good.
0: Sometimes it's so, good if you let them go, because they grow, they learn more, and then they can bring a lot of the experience uh, back and, and and add more yeah. value to the company, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I see that. I've seen that happen a lot, where people come back, um, and 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 the company was better for it um, because then, well, also the salary jump is good for them, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> Hopefully, right. while they were out there, you know, they were doing bounds yeah. and um, yeah. Had, yeah, yeah. I
1: got another great story to tell yeah. you too. Um, we had a guy that started with us. He was in a he was in a halfway house. He he had served some time, um, and I honestly I don't even know what it was for, but he was with us for about three months, and he came up to me. I was standing by one of our uh, operations guys that was managing that division of the company. And he walked up to me, and he, he points at the guy standing. and goes, one day I want his job. Mm. And I said, well, it's, it's possible. And I mean, this guy was starting out at ground zero yeah. with a brush, brushing trucks. And this was about it was a year and a half to two years ago. Now he's actually, he, he actually, that guy ended up leaving, and he, he had worked his way up to be considered for that job. And he got the position about yeah. eight months ago. He's doing phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing phenomenal in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How how would you feel if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, Michael, uh, I want your job. (laughs) I want to be able to, (laughs) I want to, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, that's good. And bad. I don't know how to feel about that one, but yeah. uh,
1: I want yeah, to say yeah. be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Cuz I'm telling you sometimes I don't know.
0: <laughs> because you know you want to you want to uh breed leadership and you want to be able to inspire people to become leaders and um but yeah if they if they ever gun for your job yeah that's a that those are big shoes to fill. Um, yeah. But yeah so what is it um in in the coming years, you know, this year and and 2020 and uh, what are you looking forward to, um, to doing and, and, and what are your plans for, for any type of growth or expansion or, you know, just how are you going to evolve just not yeah. even just your company, but yourself as well?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think for me and well, you, you were, I, we met at a coaching event and one of the things that, that came out of that coaching event was I kinda, I kinda recognized, um, uh, and I shared with a the group then that I, that when I was younger, I had agoraphobia. And and I I've never shared that publicly. I always kind of kept it pretty confidential and I kind of kept it quiet. Um, but from that experience, and, it, and unbeknownst to you even, when I got there, I don't know, I got flooded with a ton of anxiety. When you and were on stage? It, it was... No, before I, before, oh, before I ever it. got on stage because of just thinking about it all. And it really, it really affected me. And, and then of course, after going through that and leaving there, I was like, man, I, I haven't felt like this in such a long time. Um, and so it really started motivating me to, to try to push it, to try to get outside of the, and, and then challenge myself more and more and to do more speaking. And, uh, two weeks ago. I actually, I was an opening presenter at a trade, at a trade event. Really? And, and was, and I felt very confident in doing it. Um, yeah. Of course, there's always a little bit of anxiety, I think with any type of speaking, but I just, I felt really good about being able to do that and to present and to have so many people come up afterwards and be happy that I did it. So that was kind of a growth thing for me. And I, and i and I, and I'm sure I'll, I'll continue to do that because I think that's part of the journey that I want to have in my life. And so i I think that, for me, is where I want to see myself continue to go. But at the same time, I want to grow the, the three divisions. You know, I've got the t- Fleet Washing Division, Steam Away, got the Kitchen Exhaust Cleaning Division with uh, Facilitech Southwest, and then they're, they're almost they're, – they're kind of sistered together, and that's PowerWash.com and PowerWash University, which is the selling of equipment, uh, supplies, and stuff. And then PowerWash University is the training that we're doing for people that want to get into it. So, you know, we're actually helping entrepreneurs too on that side of the of the business, and it's just to continue to build that and bring on the right team members to help that grow, and or either not only bring them on, but or either promote them up so that they can they can help do that and and be part of that that journey. And for me, it's just, it's it really comes down to finding the right people to do that. I think. I'm a strong believer that any company's success is has a lot is more about the people, and I had a uh, a consultant that came through. Oh shoot, almost was back in June. Oh, I I think June of last year he came through, and he he recognized and and I don't see it because I've I've just kind of grown into it. He goes you're, you're constantly pivoting all day long. He goes, there's not a lot of people that can pivot like you pivot between all your different things that you've got going on. He goes, so to you, to your benefit, that's a good quality in you and how you're able to do that. So I, and I never really thought about it like that. I was just like, it's what I have to do. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe if I'd always been like with one company, it'd been so challenging, I couldn't have done it. But because I just developed into it, I became good at it. Right. Um, and I kind of got off track there.
0: But the, if I can slow down, there was a point I was trying to make. Um,
1: I lost my train of thought.
0: You were talking yeah. about... um. The growth of all the companies and everything connected and how, um, you know, you're trying to get all of that, you know, steam away and power wash and um, all the sister, everything just to the next stage or the next yeah step.
1: Yeah. So, so one of the things that when I was younger, my dad said is that either a company is growing or it's or it's not growing you know there's not there's not these plateaus even though we'll hit plateaus for a while yeah so my focus is to grow these as much as I possibly can and and again I'm challenging myself yeah. because I want to do those things and I want to challenge those around me to help me do it so absolutely that's kind of what I see going into the the next few years and you know I'm sure at some point you know they'll they'll be broken up more or they may be go a separate direction and I'll go another direction or something like that. But right now I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge and, and the ride for, yeah. for the most part.
0: It's great. You know, especially if you're in the driver's yes. seat, right. I, I'm i curious yeah. what percentage, or even if you want to give me the, the exact number um, is uh, your team, you know, you have over a hundred employees, but how many are in leadership roles and how many of the leadership roles that you oh. tap into um, as, you know, your go-to guy or gal for decision-making, you know, when you have right. those pivoting moments.
1: So I have what what I refer to as our leadership team, and there's about 12 people. Yeah, anywhere from 10 to 12 people that are on that leadership team that I meet with once a week. And then there will be some breakdown underneath that. So on the the product and training side of the company, that's probably one of the smaller sections. So you're probably, you know, around uh up to 10 employees there, eight to ten mm-hmm. altogether. And then there's some overlapping positions like HR, accounting, uh, mechanic type work, things like that that are overlapping. And then for the both the 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 truck washing and the kitchen exhaust cleaning, there's there's a, a breakdown of uh, uh, from a manager down to like a supervisor, and then there's crew leaders, and then one or two people that are on those crews. So that's kind of how that structure goes from
0: there. So how many? If you're pulling a executive meeting, board meeting, or something, do you have a board or anything? No Ad- advisors. um yeah. When there's that critical, you know, the time to make big, big moves and decisions, how many? How many do you have in the room? Or who do you tap into for that?
1: Yeah, it would primarily those, those big decisions are generally with a division. So it would be
0: generally
1: like the main person that's over that division, accounting, probably HR, um, Mm -hmm. and possibly the supervisors would be involved at that point.
0: But there's no one that you consider your right arm that makes decisions overall as for all the divisions? Because I'm sure, I mean, that's you, right? Like how yeah, it all it intersects, right? It how is. It all... But is there yeah. anyone that you're like, yeah, oh man, I don't know if I should make that move. And it affects all of the companies.
1: Right, you know, right.
0: Th- that's just you and your...
1: It is, and, and sometimes they may not know that I'm asking or, or, or doing things in such a way that I am getting their input. They're just not fully 100% aware of it. Gotcha. And, and the reason for that is because I've learned over the years that sometimes sharing my ideas has a, it can and will have, not that, not that it can, but it will, it can have a tremendous impact on the morale of the company.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: So for instance, if, well, this is an extreme example. So if someone were, were to be considering the sale of a company and they go to their employees and start having that discussion about, do you think I should do that? Uh, yeah. How do you think that's going to happen? And this, so I kind of use that as an extreme mm-hmm. kind of drive point to drive my point home, you know, and then, and then there's other times, like, for instance, you know, maybe we need to have a, a change in the way where our pay structure is, is created or, or things like that. Um, and so, you know, it's just, Hey, how do you think the guys feel about, you know, the, the way the pay structure is, or do they, you know, or just little questions about this particular uh, payroll policy, you know, what kind of feedback are we getting? Things like that. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm constantly doing that. And, and one of the things that I did here probably started about two or three years ago, because you, as a company grows, you find yourself getting disconnected from your operations. Your your mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're beginning to get too far away from things that happen and so fortunately enough the company's still small enough it's easy for me to walk around and meet my my guys as they come in before they go out on the on their on their shifts or i can walk through work areas and i can see things that may be issues that aren't getting resolved correctly Mm -hmm. and so i can address it and that that helps you know with some of those thought processes, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what I like about you as a as, you know, founder and CEO of these companies is um, you're very approachable from what I gather, you know, like yeah. people who, who work, you know, within any of your companies, um, if they see you, I mean, you are intimidatingly tall. Just for the viewers here who have no idea that you're like seven foot tall. Or how tall are you? Like, <laughs> no. At least six four, right?
1: Yeah, well, actually I'm I'm right at six
0: three. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, good yeah. guess. But uh, you play basketball at all? I'm sure you get that question. I
1: wrong. used to get that question all the time when I was growing up.
0: But uh yeah, yeah. I pick him, yeah. You know, but um yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what always stuck with me, um, you know, when when we were in our networking events is how approachable you are. And then that's why one of the main reasons why I wanted to sit down with you and have personal conversations about, um, you know, and getting to know you and, and, and why I extended this invitation as well to, to take, to go deeper on your story. Um, and you know, I thank you, um, you know, forever for that and, and appreciate you being on the show. But sure. one of the things that stuck out to me that you said, um, was, you know, always be firm with your employees. Do you remember? Always yes. be firm. There. And always be friendly. Right? Yes. I love, that, three right? I love that. Yeah. Three, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I wish I
1: could own that. <laughs> <good>.
0: There's got to <laughs> be a way it you somebody else,
1: it. too. <laughs> yeah, it's great,
0: though, because it really aligns with with who I am as well. And that's why I felt like, you know, I really connected with you and your message and everything you were sharing with us, Um, because um, you're proof in the pudding that that um promotes longevity and 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 your business lasting this long your business is lasting this long because of you right that that, that is your mantra yes. and your beliefs and your core right. values right um, that have that have propelled your companies to success and i think a lot of people out there um who don't have that center and they don't have themselves right and they want to expand and grow yeah, you may be able to do it, but what's going to be your retention, right? What, how, how many people yes. are going to want to go stand behind you in your cause you know, and, and, and take a bullet for you? And, and one of the major reasons that I started to jump into this um, and, and become a, a business owner is because as I was leading teams in corporate, um, I noticed that people were very loyal to me. And they wanted to go wherever I went and they wanted to do anything, you know, work till three in the morning. Not not that I needed that. But when when the time came, they weren't doing it for the company. They were doing it for me. Right. I feel like that is where you are and that is the person that you are. And I think that um, your message and, 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 and leading by example is really what is your, you know, you know, what you've been doing for everyone, not just for me, but for all your employees as well. Um, is there anything that you want to, you know, impart as far as that, or maybe something else that y- you want to share with the audience? You know, as far as you know, I know we talked a lot about hiring and scaling, um, which is huge because I think we're on about almost thirty episodes and we haven't really done a deep dive on that topic yet. So I thank you for that. Um yeah. But um, yeah, is there anything you know you you want to share with entrepreneurs at any stage? You know, whether it be beginning the messy middle or, or, you know, Hey, they're about to sell or something. I don't know.
1: Um, Yeah, I completely obviously concur with what you just said there about it. it, And it does, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about people are only going to follow and work with people that they like, and they can relate to, which was super important. So, so being respectful and, and, and just don't treat Treat people like they're objects. The other thing that I think entrepreneurs fall into a huge trap, and it it relates with anybody that owns a company, but I think more so for men, because we, especially when we're younger, we have huge egos, we have a lot of pride, and uh, there's been several times within my career, and and not so much now, because I have I think I'm, even though I'm sure it does happen, a little bit at least, is that, you know, our our companies are our babies, you know, they're, yeah. we've put all this time and energy into it, and so they're it's, and when I say baby, I mean, just like a child, mm-hmm. and if, and, and moms will relate to this, <laughs> and, not, and, and dads too, not to take that away, but especially moms. You say something bad about that baby or that child, mm-hmm. I mean the defensive wall goes up immediately. Yeah. Right. And as entrepreneurs, we have to be able to pull ourselves back yeah. and try to look at the big picture and realize that when someone says something about our company, it's not always an attack. Right. Even though it may be said in an attacking manner, we need to be open-minded. Um, you know, so when that employee leaves, and he has little negative things to say or that customer leaves, leaves and it has a negative comment about the service or the product. You have to be open-minded to the fact that it's, it's very possible because that's their experience. And why did they have that experience? And even though it may not be true 100%, what was it about that experience that caused them to feel that way? Right. And what can we do different to improve?
0: hmm Yeah, I mean, that speaks to you as a person, you know, um, in your personal relationships, you know, in in your relationship with your spouse or best friend. And, you know, you you, you get feedback from these individuals. You know, I'm taking this to a macro where it's like, hey, um, you, you know, we I'm relating this to my household dynamics where, you know, if my wife responds to something in a way. I have to think back. Okay, what is it that I didn't do, um, or what is it that I'm doing, that's causing that reaction? Right. Right. So it's kind of like like going back to our point before, where it's like if you're centered and you've you figured out your stuff, right? Um, it all yes. relates back to the bigger picture of of, of treating your company, um, you know, and your employees, uh, the same way, and having that understanding. So it's it's critical, I think, for business owners. Um, to be very self-aware, it, it, to have success yes, um, in their business. Because the most self-aware people, such as yourself, the people that I know, they're, they're most successful, right? They're the most, they've got it together. When you talk to them, you're like, okay, yeah, you, you've you got it together. I just want to <laughs> hang out with you, man. I want to talk <laughs> right, to you. Right, right. You know, so uh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad
1: to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you know i don't always I don't always talk to a ton of successful people, but generally you know there, there's there's those that become successful really fast, and yeah. I think that's where you're going to find um, the ego and the the pride more yeah. so than the guys that have taken a while to get there and sometimes they've gotten successful quick because maybe it was given to them or they have a talent, for right. instance, um, yeah. like sports players generally are like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, yeah. until they have a fall or something. And I'll say a fall, I mean, something that affected their career and then they have to build back up again. So yeah. it's not always that easy. Um, but at the same time, I think that's, that's also what makes them extremely successful. Mm-hmm. So having the right balance to, to have. So it's not just pride and ego. It's having, good, it's having confidence without pride and ego that make people successful. I love that long-term long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in the short term you can have all those things and be very successful, but at some point it, it, it seems to fail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: Cause that's... you stop attracting people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. And then if you don't have it together, you know, whether that's um, through self-discipline and habits and self-awareness um, or in, um, you know, with money, right you may have yeah. massive success just like you're saying with the sports analogy uh, a lot of these guys don't have financial education and then they 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 stumble upon uh you know, gobs and gobs of money <laughs> right. and then what happens they're gone right they just yeah. ah, how is it possible right Exactly. Millions, yeah. and millions and millions of dollars all gone and now you're <laughs> bankrupt uh, it's it's sad but it's 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 bankrupt on a, yeah. an emotional spiritual and financial level Um, So it's really, really sort of the secret, um, you know, not to get corny, because I know people relate the secret and manifestation stuff, whether you believe it or not, there's some truth to it, where it's like, you have to have all the pieces together in order to, to achieve massive success in the long, in the long term, right? Yeah yeah um and not just short-term success because yep. we've seen that come and go right with with so many people Yep. um and you know kudos to you for having that that massive success even though you may think you know um i'm um, i'm not considered a large or i'm considered you know in my space i'm large but the, to 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 me and to most people you are a success and um you know and someone that needs to be studied right and that's what the show is also about is sure. is is trying to dissect what it is that 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 creates success especially with people who have been doing it for a long time because right. then they can they can share some of that wisdom and some of the Good. the recipe Good. the ingredients for for that for that recipe but uh, michael so how can people reach out to you how, what's the best uh places uh for them to go
1: oh yes yes um well probably uh Email is probably one of the easiest ways, which would be – the easiest email to remember is probably mhenderleiter43 at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then –
0: And your websites, you want to share – Your
1: website would be uh, uh, powerwash.com or – Steamaway.com. Yeah. Or Facilitech Southwest, which is facilitech dash sw dot com.
0: Yeah. I will include all that in the show notes, but um sure. yeah, sure. I want people to to find a way to reach out to you, especially if they were inspired by the show. Um, you know, the I'll I'll, I'll you know definitely have them email you um and reach okay. out. You know if they if they want to further a conversation with you and get to know you a little bit more, if that's okay with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, and, and thank you for the, <laughs> the ending uh, compliments there. I'm uh, very much appreciative of that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely. No, thank you for all your time and for your thoughts and everything that you've shared with us. Uh, truly, truly appreciate all of that and, and appreciate you as well. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's Eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com and if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform and please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us four or five stars and if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that and always, always like, subscribe and share, share, share the show on social media. We'd love you for that as well and if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show please hit us up maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story a success story uh, we'd love to hear from you you can do that especially if you're on the anchor platform you can leave us a voice message we'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode of the entrepreneur circle so once again folks thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral. And as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle.